This is exactly right. I've been on this healing journey for 30 years. So my number one, my number one goal, Dr. Dan, is I did not want my children to spend a day of their adult life getting over their childhood. I mean, adult life is hard enough for God's sake without you having to restore. So I wanted my children to have a happy childhood. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives while striving to be the best versions of ourselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, With increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is Project Love with Paymon Fosley. Paymon is a technology executive with over 30 years of experience in translation of business strategy. He spent 12 years of his career at Cisco Systems Information Technology, leading the design and deployment of Cisco's project management framework. Before that, he was in charge of consulting service organizations at several tech firms, a senior manager at Accenture, and a director of IT at Pacific Bell. He received his executive MBA from Golden State University and completed Stanford University's Advanced Project Management Program. Importantly, Paymon is my co-creator and co-founder of Parent Footprint Awareness Training, and is the author of his new book, Project Love, What Legacy Do You Want to Leave? And of course, he is a parent and father. Paymon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Dan. Pleasure to be here. So let's get started with how the concept of Parent Footprint came to be for you. Well, I, it started the instant I held my son. Uh, I felt something in my body that I hadn't felt before. I mean, I just wanted to make a world a better place because he was in it. Mm. And it was the beginning of the journey of what led to become the parent footprint that we co-created that at that instant, I knew that I wanted to become the best version of myself. Hmm. And that was the beginning of my journey. And it's been a heck of a journey, as you know. Mm-hmm. And parenting was a little bit more challenging for us because my son was barely six pounds. He wasn't a good sleeper. He would wake up every couple of hours. He wasn't latching on. So my wife had to pump while I was feeding him. And, and then that was the beginning of the awareness that we parent based on how we were parented, which is the foundation of the parent footprint that we co-created together. The number one indicator of how we parent is based on how we were parented. And from the get-go, I wasn't comfortable accepting all the parenting advice I was receiving. My son was, wasn't sleeping and they were telling us, my mom, every, everybody is saying like, you got to let him cry to sleep so he can learn to soothe himself. And I just couldn't do that. And I didn't do that. 
And that was the beginning of my journey that I, 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 mean, I wanted to examine and I started researching. The more I researched, the more I found out there are other ways of parenting. And the whole concept of parent footprint is that we need to carefully examine the parenting we received so we can choose our parenting behavior. So we can, you know, parent our children better than the way we were parented, which has been the beginning of my journey and still my journey. Awareness, of course, is foundational um, to our work, to your book, to your life journey. And, you know, awareness is something that's been talk, talked about more and more, my, being mindful, being aware. Um, did you have a moment? Like, you know, how does one, from your experience, obtain and increase awareness? Awareness is really relative because people have a certain level of awareness and based on their awareness, you know, they're receptive to the information. And uh, my awareness was different than I believed that my mom or my ex-wife. And that based on that awareness, I was able to sense my son, right? And I was able to sense that how he can't suit himself. So I decided to hire a sleeping consultant which was something really bizarre. And actually my ex-wife was embarrassed by people's reaction to us. And the first sleeping consultant came in and says, you have to make the room dark. And he gave us a sound machine, take the sun down. So it would sleep, you know, put him to sleep in the living room. So he would know the difference between day and night. And that didn't work, but I didn't stop. I hired a second sleeping consultant. And the second sleeping consultant was like, you have to do the loving touch. I mean, I, I was aware that a fear of abandonment could start in my son. And I did everything humanly possible to minimize that impact. Hmm. And once the second consultant said, the loving touch is the way. So the children, the concept of loving touch is when the children are crying, you basically don't pick them up, but you sit next to them. You touch them so they can see you and you slowly remove your hand while remaining visible. Hmm. Well, Dr. Dan, that didn't work. But I didn't stop. I hired the third consultant. <laughs> and uh, so I've been in this journey that, you know, I'm doing the best I possibly can, which is, you know, what every parent does. But in order for us to do better, we need to know better, right? And that's what I've been trying to do. And for everyone, anyone who uh, out there who knows Paymon, uh, you're just hearing the beginning of persistence. The persistence <laughs> is something that he is. He's definitely persistent. Um, so you felt that your son, you did not want your son to have a fear, to be a feel abandoned. Now, you know, from reading your book, and um, really, which is a, a memoir of your journey, which we're going to talk about more. Um, did you have an awareness at that time in your life of your own feelings and fears of abandonment? Like, had you put that together or was it just a feeling that you needed, that you knew was there and you needed to act upon? That, that was something. So I have lovely parents who've done the best they could possibly do to raise me uh, from private tutors to horseback riding, snow skiing. I mean, my parents have done the best they could and I'm so grateful for everything they've done. But somehow I grew up not feeling that I was loved the way I wanted to be loved, which is what we start Parent Footprint with the first question you ask people. Like when you think about your childhood, do you believe you were loved? So I wanted my children to grow up knowing they're loved fully. So that was the basis that I knew my parents did their best and I was grateful for it, but I wanted to do better. 
and doing better. The one metric that I knew I wanted to measure myself is like, was love. I wanted my children to feel loved. So I tried to really see what does it mean when their infant has to do with their sleeping, eating, burping, walking. And as my children are growing, it's con- it continues to be my primary focus and primary challenge because, mm-hmm. you know, at any given time you have to, I mean, how I make my son feel loved is completely different than how I make my daughter feel loved. And it's based on every situation. So there's not a silver bullet, but that's been clearly the primary goal from the minute my children were born. Well, and love has been, is foundational in, um, well, in everything, as you talk about in your book. Like you, you, you describe love um, as the, the ability to experience love, feel love, and then to give love is basically the cornerstone of being human and um, having a fulfilling life. I bring a project management approach. So in project, man- the basic concept of project management is that you can't measure, you can't manage something that you can measure. So how do we measure love? Like most people say, I love my children and my parents love me. We experience love through our relationship to it. So to know the truth about love, we have to examine the examiner. And for most of us, that honest examination of the love we receive requires the experience of sitting down with a therapist, which is, again, the basic philosophy and concept for why we try to develop parent footprint to help people examine the love they have received, which often requires the experience of sitting down with a therapist. And the epiphany I had for the multiple choice interactive part of our training is when my wife and I, as we were faced with, you know, divorced with two small children, we didn't seek counseling. And most people who could benefit from sitting down with a therapist don't see a therapist. So I wanted to help people who don't have the time, money, or perhaps the courage to walk in to office of a therapist to examine the love they receive. Because I believe the number one responsibility every parent is so every parent is doing the best they possibly can. And every parent wants to love their children perfectly. But it requires that awareness, which was what you brought into this thing and how we came up with the name awareness training. Without awareness, we simply do what we know. And what we know is based on our past. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've had um, the benefit of knowing you for quite some time and um, reading the iterations of your book, o- book over time, it seems like your process of awareness, like there's no there's no end for us to keep growing and becoming aware of ourselves and who we are and why we are the way we are. And and something that I just have to say, um, having, you know, read your book throughout these years is I guess the question that I've been wanting to ask you is when you set out to write this book and go and you were on this journey, did you realize the trauma that you had experienced? No, I didn't. No. So when I decided to write this book, and as you know, the evolution of this book has taken me six years and a number of different experts and editors just told me this is eight different books, pick which topic. So actually I started with what turned out to be the last chapter about death. I was contemplating divorce with two small children and I basically prototyped my own death. I just said, you know, I fast forwarded my life to the moment, last moment, 
and thinking about legacy. So the whole book is based on my experience. What legacy do I want to leave for my children? And from the minute my son was born and I had the same experience with my daughter, I know that those two are the most important thing in my life. And I'm going to measure the success of my life, but how I, how I have raised my children. And then I brought the project management perspective. You can't manage something. You can't measure. How do we measure the success of a parenting journey? Every parent is doing the best they possibly can. At the end of it, when we look back at our journey, how can we measure our success? And that became a basis for everything I've done, everything I've read, everything I've written. So to bring my 30 years of project management to this concept, there are two clear metrics that we can use to measure the success of a parenting journey. First one is love. I mean, to raise children in a way they experience how it feels to be loved, how it feels to be respected, because respect is the foundation of love. And unfortunately, when it comes to parenting, we get so wrapped up into discipline and trying to motivate them that we don't recognize we're crossing that line of respect. Respect is a two-way street. It has to be age-appropriate. So you know you're successful when you have raised your child to know how it feels to be loved and respected and is capable of doing that and is you know expecting to receive that. So one metric, once your children are in loving, respectful, satisfying relationship, you can put a check mark next to that. The second one is to raise children who feel confident, who have self-esteem, who know what they like, right? And you encourage them to pursue what they're passionate about. So I honestly don't care if my son becomes a carpenter or a brain surgeon, but what I'm going to measure my effectiveness is how he feels about what he does, how passionate he feels, and how he continues to grow in what he's passionate about. So simply, at the end of the day, there are only two metrics. Their ability to love, their ability to something they're passionate about, and the sad reality of life is that children don't listen to what we say. They watch what we do. So I realized that if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, and if I'm not really content and emotionally and physically connected in my intimate love relationship, I could never inspire my children to follow those footsteps. So that is the story of my book. Mm -hmm. Well, and key throughout your book is, you know, you're talking about the importance of helping your kids uh, learn to feel love and to show love, to experience love. And you talked about many circumstances in your life, which are not just unique to you, um, of situations which over time prevented you from being able to feel your body, feel yourself, um, which of course doesn't allow love in and puts us into uh, a protective um, detached at times, uh, state of being. And I think this is really important for our listeners to hear from you, Paymon, because in your book, you talk about this in such a, um, respectful and, uh, open way about how childhood experiences can really set the stage of how we experience ourselves and others, uh, throughout life, unless we become aware of it and do something about it. Well said. So one of the things you said, actually, you wrote in the paragraph about my book is a book about healing. I had no idea when I started this journey in writing this book is a book about healing. And, you know, I talk about the seductive power of childhood wounds and uh, it's hard to go through childhood 
and not get wounded somehow. I mean, it's just, you know, what's happening with COVID is impacting a lot of the children who are working from home. You know, your parent could, you know, have some sort of physical illness, you know, could lose their job, could be, you know, I don't know, war, tsunamis. I mean, getting bullied at school. It is really hard to go through childhood not getting wounded. And our reaction to trauma, trauma is the word, I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't take heck of a lot for us to be traumatized. We stop our ability to feel. And I think that is the precursor because unless we can feel the depth of our emotions and really feel our bodily sensations, I've been on this, I mean, I've been on this healing journey for 30 years. So my number one, my number one goal, Dr. Dan, is I did not want my children to spend a day of their adult life getting over their childhood. I mean, adult life is hard enough, for God's sake, without mm. you having to restore. So I wanted my children to have a happy childhood, right? And uh, one of the things we talk about, every child has a special gift. And all we need to do is to become aware of how unique they are. And I think our job as parents is do the best we can do is not to damage, not to break them. And that's been my goal. So I don't, I mean, I'm going to make my share of parenting mistakes, I'm sure. But my goal has been to be mindful of, you know, my children's self-esteem, to protect it by respecting them, right? Mm -hmm. By allowing them to discover it. And one of the reasons, I mean, I had reached, I had reached, you know, the success by my inherited definition, you know, successful at work, beautiful house, you know, beautiful wife, luxury cars, boat, motorcycle, everything on that checklist, Dr. Dan, was filled. But I was still not happy. I was still not happy. So I decided to take responsibility for my own happiness and apply my project management to get to the root cause because everything else that I was thinking about my issues were symptoms. They were not root cause. And the root cause of my unhappiness was my unresolved childhood wounds. Mm -hmm. And it didn't look like I have childhood. It was mm -hmm. wonderful family. Everything looks great. And I recognize the missing link that I try to make accessible for people who don't have time and energy to read all the books I've read, to go through all the therapy sessions I've done. Healing is something that happens in our physical body. I have the recollection of what happened, and I wrote the story of how my parents tried to discipline me when I was four years old by leaving me in a construction. I mean, they did the best they could to provide the knowledge. We've all been wounded in our own way, but the energy of trauma was still locked up in my body. Mm-hmm. See, mm -hmm. it, I mean, you can go to an office of therapist, which is absolutely, you know, necessary, but it's not sufficient. Knowing what happened to us, right? Knowing what happened to us is knowing like where the error came from and how it hit. You got to pull that thing out. You got to release the negative energy of trauma from your body. And I did that. And I did that. It was extremely painful. And healing, uh, I believe my book is about healing. My journey is about healing. The one thing I can tell you about what I've learned about healing, Dr. Dan, is you, it's like physical growth. You cannot sit and watch your children for hours at a time to see how they're growing. But you, when you take a look at their pictures from six months ago and six years ago, you can see how they've grown. And I've recognized healing happens the same way. We can't recognize it while it's happening. But the byproduct of healing is the choices that we make. So once you recognize that you're making choices, that are unlike the choices you've made in the past, it's how it's healing. So I recognize I took responsibility for my healing. I decided to you know, end my marriage. I decided to leave my career. I made parenting the focus of my career because I've been a consultant for 30 years. 
And what I've learned is the best way to learn something is to teach it. So everything I'm learning, I'm practicing it with my children. They joke around and call me a parenting expert and we make mistakes together and laugh together. Everything I've done is to raise happy and healthy children. And the only way to raise happy and children, raise happy and healthy children, is to be happy and healthy. So we all got to ask our questions. I mean, yeah. are you happy? Yeah, that's the, the, that's the twist. And, um, you know, you talked about at the outset about all the parenting stuff, all the focus on our kids, you know, all the, the, their, their schooling, their activities, their, all of that stuff that we can provide and that we feel, I think, a lot of times pressure to provide. Um, but it's very child focused. And this movement, this way of thinking that we've been talking about for some time um, with others in the field is about number one, parent focus on self parent focus on engagement in their own life. Parents ask themselves the tough question of, am I satisfied? Am I, um, do I have a loving uh, partnership? Do I have the friends I want? Am I, how am I spending my day? How am I managing my stress? How am I interacting with my kids? Um, and you know what? Those are all, as you said, those are really hard questions to ask ourselves. Um, because the answers are often not what they want, what we want them to be. But that is the most essential thing we can not only do to fully actualize ourselves in our own lives, but as you mentioned, for our kids to see us living a certain way, to see us actually growing. And, at, and, and, and with that awareness and presence, stepping into parenting them. But that's all the precursor, the way, we, the way we're talking here. The handed down advice about parenting, about relationship, about life is no longer true. So my message, the reason I've dedicated my life to Parent Footprint and my book and taking this message on the road, like I said, I know my parents love me more than anybody else in this world. And when I was not happy in my marriage, when I was unhappy with my life, the advice I received from everyone specifically my family that I know love and respect me the most, their feedback was that you are a father. You are a parent. Life is no longer about your happiness. And I was willing to do, I mean, if I knew the right thing to do for my children was to sacrifice my happiness, I would do anything for my children. But that's against the advice you hear on an airplane. On an airplane, they tell us that if you don't put the oxygen mask on your own face, you will not be able to help your children. So once I recognized that, and the advice, and what I heard is like, you know, divorce is the second worst thing that could happen to a child after the death of a parent. I didn't want to leave that footprint. I didn't want to leave that footprint, but everyone used to believe that, you know, the world is flat until people discovered it's not. So I wanted to say that only happy and healthy children, so can be you know, happy, healthy people could raise. So I wasn't happy. So I decided to take responsibility for my own happiness. Once I recognized that that handed, handed down advice is not true. Mm -hmm. So people, yeah. people don't hurt their children because they don't love them, Dr. Dan. For sure. People hurt their children when they don't have the right knowledge, when they're, when they're not self-aware, right? People right. hurt their children when they're unhappy because they're passing on that unhappiness like, you know, secondhand smoke. And the flip side of that is when we are 
hurting our kids, our kids are still loving us and learning how to be loved through experiences, different kinds of experiences of pain and hurt, because we only know, we only know what we know. And right. And so as we look at the legacy that we want to leave for our kids, um, part of that legacy is what does it feel like to be in a relationship and who do you seek out and who do you think you, um, what kind of value do you have, which translates into, um, am I going to be valued by this person or do I not need to be valued by this person because I'm just not all that valuable? I, you perfect. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we're role modeling at every minute. So children are watching us the whole time. We're role modeling how to be in a loving relationship. We're role modeling the attitude in which we have about our work, right? We're role, so the, 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 what I use every day, sometimes every hour to make my decisions and what to do in life is, is this something I want my children to do? Is this something I want my, and if I don't want my children to do something like that, then I don't do something like that Mm -hmm. because the children are watching all the time. Another, besides that, what I know, um, from reading your book is there is another way you also make decisions that you talk about, um, the other sense, right? The, this idea of intuition, this idea of going within, um, which has gotten a lot more, um, talk and acceptance these days. And so talk about how you've learned to cultivate your intuition and how you use it. Uh, in order to access our intuition, everything I've done during the last six years has been based on my intuition, trusting my intuition to follow the path of like writing a book and becoming an author and you know, co- co-creating Parent Footprint. The pathway to intuition is through our body. You have to be in your body. So when you go take a yoga class, they say, go in your body. When you meditate, you learn to go in your body. But what happens is once we are wounded, once we have unresolved emotional wounds, we learn to disassociate from our feelings. We, we disassociate from our bodily sensations. So as I recognized the depth of my unresolved childhood wounds, right? As I took responsibility for my healing, as I learned, and you, I mean, you know more better than anyone the number of books I've read. So I tried to apply all the knowledge into like being in my body. I've been meditating for over six years. I've been exercising. I'm 53 years old and I'm in a much better shape physically and emotionally as I was when I was 25 years old. I have more energy than I do in my, I mean, as I healed my body physically and emotionally, I got access to my intuition. And intuition is not a special gift to someone. Intuition is ability to go in our body sense our emotion, and then we have you know, access to something that we didn't. And I actually write about reclaiming our power of choice. So I think the pathway to that, Dr. Dan, has been a long journey for me because we always heard that you have to love yourself before you love somebody else. But you know, we need to learn how to love ourselves. And as I recognize that my childhood wounds has created this version of me, which was so needy. Yes. And... Um... As I've gotten older, um, really learned to listen um, and feel within my body and trust because um, like you, I've learned my body knows. 
You know, my, like when, when there's a situation or a big decision or even a small decision, if you just can get quiet and still and don't feel that impulse to have to meet a need or rush, your body, everyone feels it differently in different places in their body. I definitely feel it in my chest. Our body tells you when something is aligned or is not aligned. And if something is not aligned, if it doesn't feel right, take time. I mean, there are, there are some decisions in life that we have to make right away on the spot, but there are many, many decisions that we have time to think about before implementing. And so um, you really uh, outline that in your book, Paymon, that just how to really go within and to feel. And over time, as you became more and more in touch with your body, your feelings, that, that um, compass has become central to your navigation of life. The sad part of the story, Dr. Dan, is that, you know, almost at age 52 was the first time, was the first time that I was able to go into my body because for whatever reason, if, you're in, if your default reaction every time you feel your body is fear, anxiety, those negative emotions, we learn not to go in there. I had learned not to be in my body. I had learned not to go. And going through that process, which is a key element of healing, is the grieving process. To be with the painful emotions, to feel the painful emotions, to go through the sorrows and grief or whatever it takes for us. Because until we can feel the depth of our painful emotions, we can really experience the depth of joys and happiness. So I had blocked myself from going into my body. I had blocked myself from having access to my intuition. And that's what I tried to do. I tried to make this accessible. So hopefully it doesn't have to take that long for people to go through that cleansing process, mm -hmm. to get into their own body and have access. I mean, there's a, it's a different world and we all have different you know, dreams and desires. But I mean, I've been searching happiness but I recognize that, you know, happiness are the moments, byproducts of contentment. And contentment, it happens when you know who you are, what you know what you want, and once you know which direction you got ahead. Mm -hmm. So the other thing you take on in the book um, with passion, as you do most things, is uh, sexual intimacy and the, the importance and power of sexuality and sexual intimacy yes <laughs> that's an interesting one because sex is something that's extremely important to many people but it's something that we've learned not to talk about so i again my goal was to make this talk topic accessible by first talking about the importance of it the importance of it and then recognizing what are the obstacles to getting there you know and the obstacles to getting there and again you know, the ancient healing method of trauma, you know, they've been talked about as sexual energy. But to really understand that sexual energy is really fueled by passion, by emotion. And once I recognized the trauma, I did. And I recognized that what trauma does, it breaks the energy flow. And I shared a couple of stories of what happened when I've done healing and with, you know, when I was allergic with milk. I tried to make this accessible that illnesses are the byproduct of lack of energy flow and how trauma blocks that. So for those of us, which unfortunately most of us is like the, the statistics I learned, Dr. Dan, is one out of every three girls and one out of every five boys has been traumatized under age of five and they don't remember. So for those of us that have been whatever somehow traumatized and don't have access to the depth of our emotions, 
then we're unable to bring that emotion. We're unable to bring, whenever we're sexual, we're disconnecting. It's like a circuit breaker that goes off. And unless the energy of love merges with the energy of sex, that's what brings couples together. That's, that's the platform to cultivate love and intimacy. And then I talk about that, how emotional intimacy is an absolute requirement for sexual intimacy. And both emotional intimacy requires that you have access. I mean, making love means you have to go inwards and connect with the depth of your emotion so you can ex, you know, express it to others. And sadly, I recognized that I never had that capacity because I never went that deep into my body. And that was the root cause of every felt relationship because I thought I'm with the wrong person, I'm doing the wrong thing. And that's what people do. People go from first marriage to second marriage to third marriage. We continue doing the same thing with different people without recognizing the source of our problems. Well, I mean, so so much of this comes back to, again, the ability to feel, the ability to connect with ourselves, and how much of that, that ability can be disruptive in early and later childhood and even later in life with other trauma. And just how important it is to explore to have the courage to unwind, to take apart. Um, and, and it does take a lot of courage and it can be very painful. Um, and yet with loving people, with trained professionals, um, with journaling, the, the, with meditation, with yoga, there's so many ways, and you talk about many of these ways from your experience of getting back to yourself. And when you can get back to yourself, and become aware of yourself, um, it, it puts you in a situation to be attentive and present for your kids with less noise and obstacles uh, getting in the way so you can focus on what's in their best interest. Correct. The one key message that I hope all the listeners would take away from this is that we can do things for our children that we may not be able to do for ourselves. For example, when my son was born, I'm a deep sleeper. I can't function without seven hours of sleep. And my ability to jump out of bed every time I cried, my ability to be jet lagged for a year and a half, that was the first time that I experienced that I can push myself beyond my self-imposed limits for my children. And once I recognized that I had unresolved childhood wounds, you know the extent I've gone to heal because we owe it. My message is that we owe it to our children to be as happy and as healthy as we can possibly be because only happy and healthy people can raise happy and healthy children. And, you know, there, there are stories of a you know, woman lifting a car over the children. We can do, once we mobilize the energy of love in our body, we can do things for them that we are not able to do for ourselves. And uh, that's that's my story. That's that's my journey, and that's that's the path I'm on. Mm -hmm. And the love of a child, as in your story, um, as I've seen for so many over the years, becomes the catalyst to lift that car, the catalyst to go within, the catalyst to create change for them, which ultimately creates positive change within ourselves. And, and not just for ourselves, Dr. Dan. So I end my book that the evolution of humanity doesn't need to take thousands and thousands of years, right? It could happen in one generation of self-aware parents mm -hmm. who really understand the power of love. 
And my message throughout the book is that respect is love and action, right? Especially with what's happening in our country and the world being so divided. What I constantly try to strive to teach my children that respect, everyone deserves respect, especially people that we disagree with. You could comfortably disagree with their opinion, with, you know, whatever stand they're taking. You could disagree, but you can't disrespect, right? I think the source of all evil is judgment. And, you know, the foundation of love is lack of judgment. So those are the two key things that I'm constantly striving to model for my children. There are many different types of people. We can't judge them. We need to respect them. And then respect, respect, we know, you know, parent footprint is about the parenting revolution. We can all start a revolution in the world by just learning how to respect our children because respect is the foundation of love. So if you can offer one thing, one thing for parents listening who, um, you know, if you're listening, you're not at the beginning of the journey, right? Because parents who tune into the show are people who are on the <laughs> journey. Um, what is one thing you'd recommend for anyone at the beginning of their journey or farther along? The one honest, honest examination of your current state. Mm-hmm. Honest examination of your current state. Are you really happy? Yeah. Are you really happy? And then for people, I mean, it's like a stool. There are different legs of stool. Some stools have five legs. Some stools have three. But the bare minimum of who we're with, our intimate love relationship is foundational. It impacts every element of our life. Are you content? Are you emotionally connected? Are you physically connected? Are you having good, I mean, can you speak all, however you measure, actually, we all measure it differently. Honest measurement of the quality of intimacy in your intimate love relationship, how happy and content you are, and honestly assess how do you feel about what you do? Those are, and then, the other part is like, how, I mean, are you, how are you physically, emotionally healthy? Like those are, I mean, our mm-hmm. body is a vehicle. Honest, and, and then if you're really honest with yourself, and most of us have challenges. Most of us are, may not be happy at work. Most of us, I mean, being in an intimate love relationship requires work. I mean, so that honesty is going to shed some light about what are the actions you need to take. And in order to have a healthy love relationship, in order to be happy in our work, in order to be healthy, we constantly need to be doing something. And, my, and the reason I'm asking them for that honest assessment is so they can have clarity what are the things they should be doing. We should be doing. So that honesty, I think, is the most important element because our children are watching us, regardless yeah. of if we're aware or not. Yes. Yes. Well, it's actually time for the question that we've been talking about for a long, long time, and I <laughs> get to ask it to you. Hey, Mon, the parent footprint moment question. Of course, is uh, there are several of these uh, these stories in the book, but we're going to ask you for another one right now. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or an awareness of your parents, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, your kids' lives, and those you love. <laughs> well, this is very personal for me. Because my parent footprint moment was actually how the idea of parent footprint came into fruition. And I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that from the moment I helped my son, I felt this undeniable energy. I wanted the world to be a better place just because he's in it. I became totally committed to become the best version of myself. I was aware that my children are by far the most important thing in my life. And let me tell you what happened. 
It was a rainy Monday morning. My wife was traveling for work. Our nanny had called in sick. My daughter, she was about two years old, had fever. My super hyper son was acting out because he hasn't gone out. I had warmed up the cup of soup, two cups of soup to feed to my children. As I sat in front of a TV, putting on a movie for them to watch, uh, the first cup was really warm. So I placed it in my legs while I was feeding. But I, as soon as I fed my daughter the first spoon, somehow my son did a backflip kicked both cups, it, slipped, it, it spilled on my leg, fell on the floor, exploded 2,000 pieces. My daughter started to cry as my son was crawling his way on the other side of the couch. Without thinking, Dr. Dan, without thinking, I slapped my son's behind. After all the discipline, that was a very standard method of you know parenting when I was growing up in Iran, I never, ever thought I could physically, you know, physically... Uh, hurt my children, even though it wasn't, I mean, I slapped his butt, he cried, I pulled his pants down. I could see my fingerprints and I was sobbing and I was sobbing. And I recognized at that moment that parents don't hurt their children because they don't love them. Parents hurt their children when they're overwhelmed. Parents hurt their children when they're, you know, when they're unhappy. Parents mm -hmm. hurt their children when they're, you know, when they're hurting. Yeah. And that's the moment that the idea of Parent Footprint was born. And mm -hmm. I decided to dedicate my life to help parents because the best way to help children is to educate the people who are raising them. That mm -hmm. was my parent, phone, parent footprint moment. And yeah. that was the beginning of my journey. Yes. Thank you for sharing it and for uh, courageously sharing it in your book. Um, and here it is, everyone. This is the book. This is the book, this beautiful purple book right here, um, which uh, is filled with, um, gosh, it's filled with passion. It's filled with wisdom. It's filled with love. Um, and it's filled with hope. And it's filled with healing. The privilege, Dr. Dan, true privilege is not a financial inheritance. True privilege is an emotional one. So that is what my book, What Legacy Do You Want to Leave?, I want to leave the legacy of love mm -hmm. and, you know, and I can do that by how I live my own life because mm -hmm. only happy, healthy people can raise happy, healthy children. Thanks partner. Thank you partner. Tell everyone where they can find your book. Uh, so my book project love is available on Amazon uh, and to learn more about it, you can go to my website, paymonfazli.com. Check it out everyone. And Paymon. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure has been mine. Thank you, Dr. Dan. All right, everyone. Share this with your friends and family and anyone who you think can benefit. We're so happy to have you part of our community. As always, try to do your best to be that person you want your child to become. And ask yourself the question I ask myself every day. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. If you are an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, 
go to midroll.com forward slash ads. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.